0: Hi Bill Brister here and we're doing a real estate session rewind this week. This is going to be episode 216 from December of 2019. Ogla Katama. She's the operating principal of Keller Williams Legacy Realty in Orlando. And I know you'll enjoy it.
1: Number 1, it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of hard work to understand the concepts of a business. Um but the most important thing is I've always been a big, big advocate of finding mentors, finding people that have done it already. And I, what, what I did, once I realized, and I sat down and with my husband and we looked at, this is the path that we're looking at, I said, who do I need to know?
0: You're listening to The Real Estate Sessions. I'm your host, Bill Risser, with Fidelity National Title, Tampa District. Thanks for tuning in as we uncover the stories of leaders in our industry. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 216 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. I'm doing my favorite thing. I'm live on location with the portable kit interviewing an industry leader, and I'm telling you, I've had at least seven or eight people say to me, how come you haven't interviewed Ogla yet? You've got to go talk to Ogla. You should go see what Ogla's doing. So... Without further ado, I want to introduce Ogla Katama. She's the operating principal of Keller Williams Legacy. It's, uh, it's south of Orlando, or I think they call it here Orlando South. And uh, she is doing some amazing things. And I'm really excited to, to talk to her today. Ogla, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Bill. I'm really excited to be here.
0: All of our staff that work down in this part of the area, Liliana, um, let's see, Alyssa's down here too sometimes. And they were telling me I had to talk to you. And you and I talked a little bit before we turned on the microphones. Yeah. And this is going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be just great. So you're my second guest that I've had on the podcast that was actually born in Africa, okay. emigrated to the United States. Yeah. So the, the way the podcast works is I always kind of start at the beginning with everybody. Your story is probably going to be a little bit different than most of my guests. So I'd like to kind of just talk a little bit about you know um, what that journey looked like for you from, from, and I think I have this right, I think you told me a village in yeah. Kenya yeah. to where we're sitting now in this amazing operation. So Thank how you. does it start?
1: So born and raised in a small village in Kenya. Um, western southwestern part of of kenya called eldoret and i always like to brag that that in that region and my 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 hometown of eldoret and the iten area is actually birth to more than ninety percent of all the Olympic runners from Kenya wow. so it's something that I always like to revert when you know and be really proud because um growing up in the village, you know that typical African setting, you know there's you know you can call it poverty uh, as many people don't, but I call it as opportunity um to really grow to be something, and um I grew up watching these Olympic runners on t v and got really motivated, saw so them go to the Olympics, come out of the country, and I was like. I want to leave, you know, I want to go out of the country too and not run, but um, do something with my life. So really inspiring. So, you know, grew up in Eldorette, did really well in elementary school and actually got an opportunity once I finished middle school and um, got a full scholarship, a full ride. So you would call an Ivy League high school, Moy Girls High School in Eldorette, really, really high standards. So that's the first. Um, opportunity that I really had to have some great discipline, uh, some great focus on, on on just you yourself as a person. That's why I actually learned excellence very early in my age. Our alumni from that high school is known all over the world. We're in politics, doctors, surgeons, professors, um, all over the world, and you know it's it was really great beginning. So finished high school and also got our, another opportunity to attend a great hospitality training school in Nairobi, Kenya called the Kenya Utsali College. At that time, when I got to the college, Kenya Hotelie College was one of the 16 centers of excellence in hospitality training in the world.
0: All around the world.
1: All around the world. Wow! So went to college, and when I was in college, it was a hospitality school, and you know there was hotel management, there was you know front office operations, reservation sales, and then there was the back of the house. And for some reason, I just got drawn to the back of the house. So I actually spent my time in college learning about housekeeping operations. All right, and laundry operations well think of it
0: look I, <laughs> I i live over in st petersburg and mm-hmm. i'm here in orlando a couple days a week mm-hmm. i drive down i4 yeah i look at the size of those buildings yeah that is that is like a full-blown operation to take care of all of that
1: oh completely I mean, it's and like
0: there's supply chain side to it mm-hmm. i mean all that stuff right
1: it, it's really the hub of the operation because yeah. in the back of the house if you think about it if you had a profit and loss statement for the hotel the back-of-the-house operations has the most expensive PL and and it's not revenue-generating. So I learned business very early. Yeah. I learned how to literally watch the soap that goes to the room and the linen that goes on there and the cost of staffing. And I believe then when I moved over to the United States, that's helped me grow very quickly in the hospitality industry.
0: Right. So yes. let's talk about that. When you first leave Kenya, I think we were chatting about this. You actually go, is it Norway?
1: I went to Norway. I just... Randomly applied for an internship. And I was accepted and was the first to ever go to Scandinavia. Some of my college mates had gone to you know, Germany, more of the hospitality you know, destinations, sure. Switzerland in the UK. But I applied. I went to Norway. So I worked in a small... My internship was in a small hotel right next to the King's Palace in Oslo. Wow. So did that for, for 90 days and then actually had an extension, worked with people that necessarily did not speak back to me in English. They spoke Norwegian. And uh, the weather did was... Did you pick
0: up a little bit?
1: I did actually Good. i really did Good. and the weather was negative 35 degrees sometimes
0: <laughs> ouch yeah
1: All right. so finished the internship and then uh, got word from my uh, college in kenya that disney uh, was opening animal kingdom and they were recruiting students from africa so i was one of uh, 120 plus students that came from africa from so you, you apply
0: when you hear about this
1: yeah absolutely my the president of the college actually reached out to me in norway to make sure that he, he just said you would be a perfect fit to go to Disney for this program and kind of take a lead. So okay. so applied and then came to the United States in 98 and we came and opened Animal Kingdom in, um, in uh, April of uh, 1998. 99. And that was amazing.
0: Wow. So you were with Disney for how long?
1: I was at Disney for a year. They gave me a little extension because they were grooming me to go to the management development program. And I really had a great experience because um, at that point, I actually became one of the the trainers, and had a great opportunity to rewrite the training programs for international students from from Africa for Disney. Wow. Got to meet Michael Eisner there. Wow. And got nice. some really great you know, yeah. awards. That was fun. So so finished at Disney and then decided at the end of the program, I turned down the um, offer they gave me and went back to hospitality.
0: Okay. So you stayed in the Orlando area.
1: I stayed in the Orlando area.
0: And so you worked at some of the bigger operations around
1: Actually here. not. No, not really? I you know, came out of Disney, was so excited, coming out of top College in Kenya and was looking for a management job, and yeah, didn't get that okay. one. Okay, I didn't speak like this. How old
0: were you though at this time?
1: Ah, uh, 23. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I love your drive, this is awesome. You're 23 and you're like, What, not top management? I was
1: like, Give me that job, right. and you know, and I'm, I'm very creative, so I decided, Okay, you know, I'm just gonna go to the department that I was most comfortable with. So I said, I'll take a job in housekeeping. Okay. So started at a uh, Sheraton Safari Hotel right by like Buena Vista okay. and was promoted very quickly to supervisor and uh, stayed in hotels. So worked at that Sheraton and then went to a smaller property, outdoor property on um, 192 in Orlando, 426 rooms, huh. became an assistant director of housekeeping, then um, moved over to a smaller hotel um, called the Clarion and started in housekeeping and then everything happened with the hurricanes and got an opportunity where there was a massive layoffs uh, especially after September 11th so when when we were in in that in that opportunity I actually was able to run the hotel just with the general manager so I ran the entire operation of the hotel at that age wow and and learned a lot
0: oh my gosh yeah that's great so I know following your 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 journey somewhere along the way you, you go, okay, hospitality's cool, I like this, but... And you, you go retail in a really big way. Yes. Let's talk about that transition.
1: Okay. So um, the last gig I had was at the Gaylord Hotels and grew really fast. Amazing, amazing company, Gaylord, and just learned a lot. And then my boss then... I moved over to Target Corporation, and then she reached out to their HR and recruiting department, and they aggressively recruited me for about four or five months. And she's like, you have to come to Target. So that's how I left hospitality. I was ready. I always loved being in a leadership role and a business role. But at that point, I had been in hospitality for more than 10 years. I said, well, you know what? Let me go try it out in retail. Same leadership skills, same passion, commitment to helping others achieve excellence, you know, grow their careers, you know, and while running a business. So I went to Target. And at that point... Accepted actually an assistant store manager position. I just didn't feel like I, the only thing I knew about retail and Target was toilet paper, milk, and bread. <laughs> and I said, I don't think I'm fit to run an operation. And yeah, that changed very quickly. I think I was promoted within the first 12 months.
0: Wow. Yeah. And you end up, you end up running a store.
1: Yes. Absolutely. So, in a span of how long? Not even two years. Now,
0: no, see, Ogla, I got to stop for a second. Something tells me that's not normal. Like that's not the track for most store managers, and no. it's such a big—I mean, because those are multi-million dollars a month are coming through those. Those are big operations, yes. yeah. Um, You everywhere you've gone, right? Everywhere you've gone prior to real estate, and we're going to talk about the growth, the rapid growth in real estate, yeah. But you really move up that ladder quickly, yeah. So what do you what do you attribute that to?
1: I'm learning based. Okay. I'm also. Let me not describe it as. From my own perspective, okay. Let me describe from the feedback I've gotten along the way. Even better, you know, yeah. th- there was a general manager once in a hotel that says, "You just have that it, like you just have that it that you cannot explain. But you're very disciplined. You're very learning based. You are you're very humble in your growth. But there's you you just have a gift of strategy that's very different uh, from from anybody they've ever met. And then when I came to Target. You know, taking those um, qualities when I got to target, I actually worked my my store team leader. Oh my goodness, he just changed my life in so many so many ways. When I met with Mike, you know, he was a traditional grocery store manager from, you know, up north. Sure, <laughs> you know? Sure, yeah. And he said, you know what, I see something in you that I don't have. You're very gifted in leading people, motivating people, inspiring people, and growing business through others. And he uh, said, that's not necessarily my, my strength. So let's do this. I'm going to teach you the grocery and retail business sales, and you're going to help me with leading the people. I'll give you a unique position that we don't have in there, in the store. And at that point that store was uh, bringing about 48 million dollars a year. Okay. And literally when I left there less than 3 years later, 2 years later, we were at 61 million. Wow. in, in growth and revenue. And uh, and that just came from me having a great mentor at that point at Target, but also having a team that truly truly saw my vision for the store and 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 once they bought into that vision and really understood that the only success would have in the store is through them, then, I mean, the magic just happened. When you motivate people, when you share a clear vision with people, when they can see themselves growing within your vision, you'll be amazed at what you can accomplish as a company. And that's always been my philosophy. You treat your employees or your 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 business partners right, you give them opportunity to grow and they organically grow your business. So I've, I've never been one that stood in front of whether in hospitality or retail or even right now in real estate and said, I'm the expert in this and this. What I do is I find talented people that can do some of those jobs. So I can just Stay being the visionary, being the strategic leader, right. the cheerleader. Sometimes I stand behind them. Sometimes I stand in front of them. But they always know I'm by their side. Yeah.
0: Well, we're we're actually here in your office. We're mm-hmm. we're there's a there's a festival going on out yes. there. It must be <laughs> Friendsgiving or Thanksgiving or something like that. Going yeah. On. It's beautiful. So you might hear a little buzz in the background. But it's I can't wait when <laughs> I'm done here. I know there's some probably some food out there. Let's talk about where what, what what's that trigger? What gets you thinking about real estate? What, because somewhere in this tra- this final transition in your life so far, yes, you're not done. Nope. Yeah, I don't nope. think so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're just starting. How does
0: real estate come into the p- picture?
1: Okay, so just like any typical Central Floridian, <laughs> Floridian, we get our we get our driver's license and our real estate license. Okay. Yep. When I was when I was at Target at the end, and it was really the peak of my career at Target, I was actually transitioning to a role of being a district team leader. A district team leader would oversee about ten stores, um, in the area, and that was more than you know a billion dollars in sales. Wow. And I think I got to a point where I had lost who. I had lost sight of my big why. So growing up in rural Africa, I wanted to change the world. I want to be, when people say be the change you want to see in the world, I truly believe that. And I wanted to embody that. I just ended up working really, really hard, gaining success, you know, making great income, but spending 50, 60, 70 hour work, day, work weeks in these um, establishments. And with that success, I had walked away from my vision of helping others. I was making money, but I wasn't really helping anybody. I was moving farther and farther away from that close proximity with the people in my village. And I woke up one day and I said, this this can be why... Um, you know, I'm I'm in this universe, you know, this is not why God brought me here. So at that point, and I talked to my superior, who was very shocked, because I was about to be a district team leader for Target, and had gone through the process all the way to the region. And I said, I just need to find myself, I will stay on for a few months, bring a replacement, because we had, you know, we were making, we had gone from like 33 million to almost 36 million um, growth in about a year and a half. And I just wanted to find myself. So I talked to my husband and we created a plan and he gave me six months to a year to stay home and find myself, you know, we just, you know, had great savings and we're in a great place. Good. So I got my license and then walked into, actually, a, a, I think I clicked on something with Keller Williams and they contacted me right away. And I just sat down in this meeting with this Keller Williams team leader of a or a franchise. And just fell in love with this company. Suddenly, I was sitting in front of somebody talking about a company that had all my values aligned. So Keller Williams Values, a God family business. And I was like, okay, this is it. And then I learned about the work-life balance. I learned about this international company called Keller Williams. It's like the number one in the world. And they were actually in multiple countries outside um, North America. And one of the um, countries they were in was South Africa. And they had 29 offices in South Africa. And I right. said, oh, my goodness, I'm finally going to work in a company, an industry that I'm excited to learn more about, a company with great values, a company that's international, and a company that's already in Africa. I said, well, I think I'm getting back home somehow. So I got excited, walked into Keller Williams, and put my hand up within, I think, the first week or so when I was there to just find out, like, how did they open South Africa? And that's where... I got bit by the bug to really get into this company and grow my vision and find my big why to give back and also be closer to my, my country.
0: Right. Okay. Th- this is around 2015? this 20? So this is
1: 2016. 2016. The beginning of 2016. Okay. Came on as an agent, went through all the trainings, and then went to a particular training in April, and somebody – um, shared a story about, oh, this lady with Keller Williams out of Austin, Texas, went to South Africa and helped open South Africa. And I put up my hand and I said, what do I need to do to do that? And and then got really excited and I talked to somebody and they said, well, you have to understand how to run a real estate brokerage. You have no real estate experience. You have not even closed contracts. And you can own a Keller Williams franchise in Kenya because yeah. that was my vision. <laughs> until you know, all these things. I said, okay, so I'm I'm going to tell you this, Bill. I don't tell this to a lot of people. I went to Kenya, so that's in April same year i'm um, four months in. I go to Kenya in the summer with my my whole family and while my family's enjoying you know my husband and children run, running around Kenya having fun, i'm literally doing real estate research, putting together this this PowerPoint presentation of the real estate market average price points who 's who with brokerages in Nairobi, Kenya, and all that, put it all in a powerpoint, and I emailed it to the president of keller williams international um worldwide Wow. And nobody had ever done that.
0: Oh, I'll bet. And <laughs> so you caught the attention. He called me. Yeah, that's awesome. And how'd I, that conversation go?
1: I got a call from his admin two days before and he said, hey, um, we got this email from you. Bill would like to talk to you. Can we schedule a Skype call?
0: Wow.
1: So I'm literally five, six months into real estate. Wow. And we get on a Skype call this big guy that came on the screen. And he, the first thing he asked me is, who are you? Where, where did you get all this information? How do you know Kenya? What's going yeah. on? And then I just started sharing my story. And he said, so what what is it that you're looking for? I said, I want to open a franchise in, in in East Africa. He's like, well, so let me tell you, we're not ready to do that right now. We're growing South Africa. We have 29 market centers there. And we're trying to grow that part of, of, of Southern Africa first before we go to to Eastern Africa, but thank you for your interest. I'm really piqued by your background and your story, and I, I really would like to get to know you better. And then he said, now, a couple of things you have to do. You have to learn how to run a Keller Williams Market Center. You have to learn how to work with agents, how to train agents, the values of the company, our philosophies, the belief systems, first in the United States before you can, you can um, grow. And I said, well, how do I do that? He said, go back to your leader in your um, local office and ask them to give you the path. And, I, and he said, okay. And I said, well, how long is it going to take?
0: And <laughs> he we said,
1: <laughs> well, you're just getting in. He so I wasn't... don't know. I said, no, I need timelines. And I said- He did not
0: he, know Ogla. <laughs> I know.
1: And I said, well, can I do it in five years? He said, five years to do what? I said, open a franchise in Eastern Africa. He said, okay, go do what I asked you to do and we'll see. And that's exactly what I did.
0: So now you come back to the States <laughs> and you're like driven. Yes. Now you're already a person that, That's very driven in what you're trying to accomplish. Yes. This this like put it on steroids, just hyped it up to a new level. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sitting here with you in, this is November of 2019, we're recording this episode. And this past summer, less than just over three years after you became a realtor, you purchased a franchise for Keller Williams. Yes, I did. Ogla. (laughs) You know that that doesn't happen. You know that, right?
1: I tell you, you will be... And I and I don't want to minimize this because I think a lot of people get really excited about my story, mm-hmm. and when you know put up their hand and say, "Well, I want to buy a franchise." It takes a lot of number one, it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of hard work to understand the concepts of a business. Um, but the most important thing is. I've always been a big, big advocate of finding mentors, finding people that have done it already. Mm-hmm. And I, what, what I did, once I realized and I sat down and with my husband and we looked at this is the path that we're looking at, I said, who do I need to know? So there's, in business, there's just a couple of things you need to do, right? You need to have systems, models, and then the who.
0: Well, you make that sound really simple. I know, You know, right? that's really I, hard. And I do, but, okay. I know. I Sometimes no, oversimplify. Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so one thing about KELOAMs is it has the systems and the models. I just yeah. had to find the words. So I actually went, I casted and widened throughout the, um, the United States to find who had done it. Hmm. Who had already gone through that path quickly. I wasn't looking for the one that did it in 20 years. Right. Like who's done it in three years and, and who's doing it a And you were able to a find big. that person? Yes, or? I found a few of them actually. Wow. Yes, I found a few mentors that I've... And, and and some of them mentored me without ever meeting me.
0: Wow. Just like a year email later, and probably, phone calls. I and... pick
1: up the phone and I call. I call, you know, I heard about this lady out of in Chicago. I pick up the phone and I say, hey, my name is so-and-so. And, and you know, people will think, first of all, it's very strange. Yeah. But then I said, you know, before you hang up the phone, this is what I'm trying to do. And I've heard about you and I've followed you online and I see what you're doing. Can I just have 30 minutes of your time to just ask you a couple of questions? In that conversation, it organically leads people to doing things. Because, see, the yeah. problem, Bill, is many of us just don't do that. Right. We put all these successful people on this pedestal, right? and we think that they are so far out there. But a lot of those successful people love to talk about it. People just never ask. So I found a secret, and that is I'm going to ask questions, a lot of them.
0: Nice. That's great. I love it. Um, I wanna I'm gonna take you back to Kenya really quick. Mm-hmm. You with your success here in the States, mm-hmm. you've already started giving back. Right. Yes. You've created a foundation called Oglis Hope Foundation yes. that focuses on on things inside the village you grew up in. Let, let's let's talk about that for okay. a second.
1: So to really understand where that idea came from is to understand who my the people that I look up to a lot. The two people I've looked up to from back then, like Oprah Winfrey. I've watched Oprah Winfrey since I was probably 10 years old. And then she had the Oprah's, you know, angel network and all this stuff. So I was really inspired because she always talked about, you know, real success comes from giving. I look up to Bill Gates, you know, he has a Bill Gates foundation that has a big presence in Africa and some of the work they're doing, you know, some of the things he's doing, like his one goal was to eradicate Polio from the world. Who comes up with that? We're just going to go to the world and and, and just completely, completely remove polio from affecting anybody. And, you know, so these are the people that I follow. So coming back, I'm lucky because. Um, the company I've chosen to work for, so starting with Gaylord, was all about giving back. So I was I was always involved in community giving at Gaylord. Then I went to Target and I became the district lead for community engagement. So leading the 10 stores, and we did a lot of work with Second Harvest. We did a lot of work. We actually did a, a project helping law enforcement get some training around um, when the, you know when, when they run into a, a suspect or somebody they're looking to arrest that had autism, there was just no trainings out there. So I partnered with a local organization that did that. And we just raised money. And I would go to Target and always ask for money, always ask for money to help uh, organizations. So the the giving back bug started from, again, looking at somebody I looked up to, and then also going to working for companies that facilitated that, you know, the same vision that I had about giving back. So back in um, 2009, I went back home because unfortunately, I lost um, one of my younger sisters. So when I went to the funeral. I went back to the school that I'd gone to in elementary school, and I was so shocked to see the state of the school. There was not much that had happened to improve the infrastructure, the resources for the students, and I really felt, I was very embarrassed and ashamed that I had come from that village, and even though I had helped different people with different projects back home, that that was a school that I grew up in that helped me, that I had not done much. So I said, you know, what can I do? So I started with my own money for for next two years, just my own money, um, doing little, little projects like painting the school, you know, fixing up the bathrooms, making sure that they had, you know, desks, just repairing things and working with the local community. And then uh, finally, we know, we established um, Oglas Hope Foundation. I I never registered in the United States because I never wanted that organization to have any financial. I didn't want any financial benefit whatsoever in the United States. A lot of people set up these companies for tax write-offs and stuff like that. So all I did was take my own money with my friend's money and everybody else's money that could give me. <laughs> so we we established, we went to the school, we did a lot of work. We've actually grown to the school and improved it. We have elementary school, middle school, high school, a little bit a 1,500 students there. Um, one of the things I'm really proud of is in the... In middle school, our graduation rate of uh, girls going from middle school to high school was very, very low. So what we did is I started finding out what, what the problem was. And we realized that the parents were keeping them at home once they turned 12, 13. Or some of them actually were getting married off at 14, 15. So what we did is I worked with a group there and, and the foundation. And we actually um, did a boarding school for, for girls in seventh grade and then leading to eighth grade. So now our graduation rate for girls is very high. That's and then after that, we wanted to provide um, places where these you know, students and the parents could actually congregate and have some sort of spiritual guidance. So we started supporting one church. And right now, I'm so proud to say we've just built our fifth church uh, in Kenya, and we're about to build a sixth church this coming year. Wow.
0: That's awesome. I, I love stories of, <laughs> of, of people who give back. Yes, um, the way, and and not, you're you're doing it in a, a big way, so congratulations.
1: And you me. know, I don't take the credit bill because I've actually stepped away from the foundation. Okay. The team on the ground in Kenya became so self. Sufficient. They actually run the operations, wow. and I've handed over that responsibility. Actually, I'm mentoring my daughter, and she's going to be getting involved with that and, and running that. So what I wanted to do then was let me be a catalyst. So I started some social media postings going around the U.S., meeting um, other um, Kenyan diaspora members in different states, and and just inspiring them to take action back in our village and just. Through that, our small village in Kapsaret in Eldoret, Kenya, actually has one of the most, the highest engagements of the diaspora in giving back. So we've built not only schools, we've built a library, and actually gave that library to the government right now. So it's a government-run library that supports thousands and thousands of um, students from um, the neighboring uh, areas in Eldoret. Uh, we've also had um, my cousins go on medical trips, so they go to um, to the village and they do medical. Test diabetes, blood pressure, um, to give back there. And right now, in on December sixteenth, we're going to be hosting for the first time a Christmas party for children with disabilities. So we're looking at about two hundred children with disabilities, and we're completely funding it um, from the U.S. with partnership in Kenya.
0: Let me. I'm going to bring you back here now. So let's come back here, and I want to. I want you to tell me the challenges that you that you experience. You know running a brokerage as the operating mm-hmm. principal, the owner of this franchise, mm-hmm. what are some of your biggest challenges
1: I think it's when when you know when we recruit realtors and I, and I and I learned that very quickly because you know I came on as a team leader two years ago before purchasing the franchise this past July. Uh, I, I quickly identified that there was a big misconception throughout real estate that people just think you come in and there's going to be all these closings and you're going to make, you know, a million dollars. And they don't understand just how much work goes into building a real estate business. So we started, you know, we were bringing on so many agents every single month. And, I, you know, I, we talked about our leadership team and we decided to be very selective. And what the struggle that we wanted to make sure we overcame and the people we wanted to bring on to our company were people with a right mindset. When I talk about mindset, is they don't have to be real estate professional, have experience. We just want them to have to be learning based. We want them to to plug into everything that Keller Williams offers because we have great systems, models, trainings. Um, anything that you need is, lives within the Keller Williams world. But your mindset as a person towards making sure that you, you understand that it's a business. I you know I simplify it by saying. When they come in and want to join our office, we say, it's like opening a McDonald's, right? If you want to open a McDonald's franchise, you got to know where, the, how much, you know, the bun costs, what it weighs, the cheese, you know, all the stuff, the components, that go, how to upsell it, uh, where the clients are going to come from, great service. And so when you join our office, we give you the key to your McDonald's. Now, what you do with your McDonald's is up to you. We tell agents. If you close your McDonald's from Tuesday to Thursday, there's not going to be anybody buying fries and burgers. So if you have that mindset of you want to do this part-time, one foot in, one foot out, you're not going through the training, you're not learning-based, you probably won't succeed. And we're very, very honest and candid from the first day we meet you that you will possibly fail. We're very honest about that. And if you plug into everything we offer at Keller Williams and the brokerage, you're gonna do really well. So I think a mindset is the biggest issue that realtors have.
0: Yeah, and so you and the team that your your leadership team here mm-hmm. that's that's part of that process, right? Yes. So you you're, you've identified this. Yes. Um. So we you, so we
1: talk to about forty uh, people okay. every month and bring on only ten.
0: Wow. On average, yeah. 8, 10. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about you talked about the systems and the tools. I was mm-hmm. at Inman Connect in San Francisco yes. when Gary got on stage with yep. Brad. So it was it the was famous, right? It was quite a show. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Gary, you know, Gary's Gary and Brad's yep. Brad. It was super fun. Yeah. Um, let's talk about command, right? Yes. So I I've, I've, I work with agents all around the state and yes. talk to agents all around the country. Mm-hmm. And command is a big a big grand plan. Yes. To really have the technology in place (laughs) so the agents can be very successful yes so let's talk about how it's coming along Mm -hmm. um, you know how that's fitting in
1: okay so to understand what command is and what the because it's a platform I I, you know we always try to explain to everybody no it's not a CRM it's a platform but to understand it and I actually highly recommend for everybody to read this book it's called the platform revolution Mm. and basically what it is it walks you through how platform businesses have have come to be. right now a lot of of, um, industries ac- ac- across the world, are, you know, are feeling that that you know that technology, that artificial intelligence, attack on the infrastructure of the business. So, what happened is, you know, when when Uber came along, right? We used to have yellow cabs everywhere. They picked us up. We, you know, we we used to really hate that experience of waiting and and you know, will they show up? Will they be stuck in traffic? And then Uber came along, and we just got this app. And we just had to share with somebody else and you click on that Uber thing and you see the driver and it's five minutes away and they call you and you you have control of the entire experience. And all of us consumers completely took out the taxi business, not Uber, as consumers, because we wanted that experience that we could generate the experience, control the experience, and it was on our own terms. And then you know, talk about Airbnb is another platform business that's really being disruptive out there. When it came, I was in the hospitality industry. Airbnb comes. Airbnb doesn't own any hotel rooms, and right now they are they are the biggest competition, and all the other businesses that have come out of that Airbnb structure you know we can go on amazon you can go on Netflix disruptors I
0: always say match.com exactly <laughs> right? right right I'm right. telling you change yeah. the
1: way we looked at dating right, we right. actually and consumers were very funny we actually find you know match.com came and we were like at first it's weird they were like oh yeah we, we love it because <laughs> we just love things that we feel we're in control over so back to Keller Williams um two years ago when Gary was talking about this you know he foresaw this coming And he prepared us, you know, when we went to our, you know, congregation, our family reunion, he actually spoke about how Keller Williams needs to really start preparing. That's over two years ago for the change that's coming into the industry, the disruptors that are coming into the industry. Mm -hmm. So we started talking about what would that look like for Keller Williams? And that's when the platform idea came on board, because for you to um, be at, you know, to run an Uber or to run, you know, Netflix and all that, all it is really is just data Powered by artificial intelligence. So what we're doing is when command was brought on, it is a platform and it's a platform, an ecosystem that is being built where consumers and you know, consumers and, and real estate professionals and all the other businesses around real estate, like mortgage and insurance, will actually come and congregate on this platform. And then all of a sudden that actually powered by inte- uh, artificial intelligence it starts connecting all of us and we start exchanging goods and services it just happens to be real estate it's mm-hmm. it's not different from any other platform businesses that have come on so when you think about Zillow you know we talked about Zillow you know Gary shared that Zillow was going to be a real estate company and everybody laughed at him and now Zillow is a real estate company because they have data so what we're going to do with command is right now we are these specific there's actually very specific ways to build a platform platform business where number one, you have to migrate your consistent uh, your current business into a platform. And then once you know then the curation takes place, then you have to attract all these other businesses that come to play, whether you know it's in real estate, there will be mortgage, title, insurance, home warranty, home inspections, you know, appraisals, all that. So think about command as this platform where all aspects, all businesses that are tied around real estate will be on that platform doing business that is so organic that our agents will never have to do a lot of the things we did traditionally because it's what the consumer wants. It's not what Keller Williams wants, it's what the consumer wants right now.
0: Everything we do has to be about the consumer. Yes. Yeah. Even a stodgy old title industry where you know where we don't really we've never marketed to (laughs) consumers ever. We now are looking heavily at how do we you know, enhance that consumer experience how do we do the same things I mean it's it's really it's changed the world a
1: complete and yeah. look at the look at who you know I look at my children I have a 20 year old and right now she does like 200 different things you know she's about to she's currently right now flying to Duke University to attend an event she's just 20. she's <laughs> and she's still doing her her, her her finals are coming up and she's she's fine she's like oh I'll still maintain a great GPA uh, she's about to travel to Israel to do a technology um, training there. Some program she's doing, and she's about to go to Kenya to go do something for the foundation. This is the future. Yeah, these are our yeah. future consumers, and we have to change the way we look at business to be able to stay consistent and also be able to match what that new consumer is going to be looking for.
0: Right. I want to. I want to comment on your office here. Yes. So I know you just purchased this just a little while ago, and mm-hmm. I was—I'll be honest—I was talking to Dylan. Yeah. And you have some big plans, yes. you know, for the way this place looks. Yeah. I love the open concept. Yes. By the way, I think it's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. You've changed culture at other places you've been. Yeah. Did you have to do that here? Was it, was there, are you in the process of doing that or did, because of the base that Keller Williams provides, mm-hmm. you know, there's got to be the, the Ogla spin to it. I oh would yes, think.
1: absolutely. Okay. Honestly, when I, when I got the role to be a, a team leader, then, you know, our previous owner lives in California, I got the opportunity to run the brokerage for him as a team leader. Before purchasing it for him, you know, God bless him. He's just been amazing. But when I came over here, this particular um, franchise or market center, as we call them, Killa Williams, is is very different. The demographic is a very dynamic multicultural market center. And it was, I mean, me coming here as a team leader literally was like throwing fish in the water because I truly come from that international background. And I can... I understand and through my leadership opportunities throughout the United States, I work with companies that I got great diversity training, just great people training and and just coming into this market center and being with agents from all over the world. In the Orlando South area, I was able to, yeah, we did a culture reset because we took all our cultures uh, Well, you know, because we all came here when we were adults (laughs) and basically put together um, a vision. And our vision is to transform lives locally uh, in our area in the United States, which will give us an opportunity to transform lives internationally. It's a very unique concept, and it's not very common in a lot of Kellogg's offices. Yeah, that's awesome. So what we did with the culture here is we had to identify, number one, who did we need to be as as a franchise, as a market center in Orlando South that would position us for massive growth in the future, but also to bring our community and our business partners um, along with us. And when you're talking to people that speak multiple languages, Naturally, yeah. it can mean a lot of different things. So all I did was take the entire Keller Williams culture, the concepts of our company systems models, and kind of internationalize it, lack of a better word, Okay, and made it to where it speaks to any agent, no matter where they come from in the world. I have agents from Asia and South America, Central America, Africa, Europe, and they all come in here and you wouldn't even know what the difference was because we yeah. speak one language. And it takes a little bit of uh, leadership, creativity to be able to do that.
0: You knew you were going to do this when you talked to Bill <laughs> 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 way back in the day. Yeah. I'm, Ogle, I'm looking at the time. Yeah. I, I need to get you back out to your okay. party. So I'm going to ask you the last question I've asked every guest on the okay. podcast, and that's if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent, what would it be?
1: Think big. You know, a lot of us, we are on ceilings. We put these ceilings on what we are capable of. And uh, we kind of get caught up in that. And yet, if we thought bigger, right? And I think I just shared this earlier. My vision was to open a franchise in East Africa. That vision is still very alive. Um, I just did it a different way by getting one locally here in the United States. So, you know, be... Think bigger, but also understand that uh, that you have to be really learning-based and open to to learning from others, getting great mentors, and, and being really highly disciplined on your goals. And that's exactly what I've done, and that's what um, I I emulate. I am the example for the team that we have over here. And even though I inspire them by my quick growth, they also are very clear that it took a lot of hard work and discipline to get where we are.
0: If somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch?
1: So, the best way to do that, so we're located in the Orlando South area, which is um, basically we're in the Hunters Creek office of Keller Williams. You can go on our website, kwlegacyorlando.com. You can also shoot me an email on ogatama at kw.com. That's O-G-A-T-A-M-A-H at kw.com. You can also call the office directly, and one of our staff members will direct you to me. Our number is 407 855-2222. And you can ask for um, dial extension zero and ask for me.
0: Ogla, thank you so much for your time today. This was well beyond my expectations. This is fantastic and it's such a great story. I can't wait to get this... This up and going so, you've just, so people can hear this.
1: And thank you, Bill. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to uh, bring me on to share my story. It is um, something that uh, I truly believe could inspire anybody, doesn't matter what industry you're in, real estate or outside real estate. And, and just utilizing your platform to share that story
0: is a blessing. Thank you so much.